Wow, it's great to be back with you today. Um, people have asked me as I was ending my 34 years with the ministry this past uh, winter, of course, toward Christmas, and they said, uh, well, what's it going to be like in retirement? I said, I don't know, because I'm going to retread. I'm going to start moving into areas of ministry and consulting, uh, speaking in churches, doing some foreign missions possibly, uh, working with other brothers and sisters in Christ in this type of thing. And in fact, just yesterday, Friday night and Saturday, I was at Gull Lake with a ministry doing some board training. And so, um, you know, I really think, you know, no matter whether you're in a situation like myself or any one of us here, there is really no retirement, is there? I mean, when we get done maybe working at General Motors and we're healthy, we go to work for the church or we go to work in short-term missions or whatever. We never quit. We never cease to be a Sunday school teacher. We never cease to be a leader. We just keep moving forward for Christ because that's what it's all about. And, and that's what my prayer is for myself and for Nancy uh, as we move forward into the future. And so uh, I was interested in, in some of the, the music that was being sung today because it was talking about the God who really cares about us. It was talking about the God who is our Savior. And, and it really fits with my message today because we're talking about the sanctity of human life, but I want to zero in more on ourselves as image bearers. And so today, I'm going to be bringing a message of comfort, but also of challenge as we look to this coming year. Um, I look back in 2018, and probably for you, there was some lows, and there were some real highs, some real blessings. Uh, for an example, uh, my mother-in-law, Nancy's mother, passed away in July. She was 96 and a half years old. And you know what was the most amazing thing about that? Was she was very well aware of where she was at the very moment she passed away. In fact, she even earlier in the day told the Lord, she just said this, hurry up. <laughs> and I thought, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but where I want you to go, I'm going to give you the end of my message in just one verse or a couple verses of where I would encourage us as believers in Jesus Christ, as image bearers, that we would strive to live our lives. This is one of my goals, and it's from the book of Habakkuk, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the front end, but I just want to go to the very end where finally Habakkuk got to, okay? And he had been having some discussions with God, and finally at the end, he said this. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, this is in verse 17 of chapter 3, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the, in the stalls. In other words, take me down to zero. Take it all away. And then he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers, he makes me tread on the high places. And by the grace of God, that's 
where I want to go with my life. That's when we talk about finishing well, I want to be able to be in a place, I'm moving in this direction, haven't arrived yet, but God, just take it all away. And we're talking about some of the hard things in life. But still, like Job, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise you and continue to cling to you and your sovereignty. In fact, <laughs> what I see going on around this country today, it just baffles me. It's frustrating, and yet I remember that the God of the universe who keeps everything in his control, even at this very moment, is sovereign, and he is very well aware. Well, if you would with me, would you turn over to Psalm 73, because that's where we're going to uh, plant ourselves for a while today. And I want to talk to you um, a little bit uh, first of all, in verse 1, and the psalmist uh, here says in verse 1, he says, Truly God is good in Israel to those who are pure in heart. Right now, I call this an orientation. You know when you're oriented to truth, you're oriented to where you're at, you're on a good place. You, you, you see God at work. And, and, and so you're oriented toward him and his goodness, and you're striving in a real way to just trust him. And we see that. But then as we look, and I want to read these verses 2 through 15 with you. In fact, uh, the psalmist starts out recognizing God for who he is. He is good to Israel. But then we read, starting in verse 2, and I call this disorientation. In other words, the psalmist gets trapped in the circumstances around him and loses sight of the goodness of God. And questions ensue. Let's look at this. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. In verse 6, therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out their fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, this, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. And in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of my children. Can you see the questions this man has? It is amazing. And, and, and when we look around in our day to day, we have those questions too. God, why? Don't you see what's going on here? I mean, I'm one of your children. I'm made in your image. And I want to please you. But God, this doesn't make sense to me. And we ask questions like, God, why do you not answer my prayers? You seem so far away. 
God, why has our child fallen away from the faith? God, why has my spouse left our family? We are so alone. God, we struggle financially. You have promised to meet all our needs. Where are you? God, why do you let politicians and judges get away with this evil, mocking your name? A dear family member was born with physical and psychological disorders. Why, Lord? Where is your goodness? A plane goes down with children abroad, aboard. Why, Father? A loved one passes away suddenly. Why, God? Atrocities, sufferings, illnesses, divorces, heartbreaks. Why, Father? You're all-powerful and loving. Why can't you just fix this? Where are you? I'm hurting, and I don't seem to feel your presence right now. Let me be clear about one thing right up front. There is nothing wrong with asking God why. Look at David in the Psalms and other psalmists, even this psalmist. Nothing wrong with asking that. There was a recording artist, uh, Laura Story, and she experienced tremendous struggles in her young married life. In fact, they were married, and her testimony was, it seemed like we went from the honeymoon into the ER. And her husband was finally, after a while, diagnosed with brain tumors. And so she spent many years of struggling, trying to keep things together, and you know, caring for her husband, and it seemed like there was no end to the trauma, but then the story does end well, and he is now uh, very much active in life. But she says this, we belong to an almighty, transcendent, yet approachable God who loves hearing our questions. We ask God why, believing the answer will provide us with some kind of deep soul satisfaction. But too often, we don't get the answer we want. I don't think that means we should give up asking questions, she said. We just need to understand their role in our brokenness. Questions can be a great help in mourning our loss, communicating our frustration, or expressing our feelings. And then she says, God doesn't promise our stories will make sense in and of themselves, but he does promise that they will find their greater purpose in light of the greater story of redemption. In other words, he is a sovereign God. He is at work. And while I don't understand why all this is happening, I need to embrace the Heavenly Father and say, Father, I embrace this. I I don't understand it. I'm hurting. I'm crying. We're hurting as a family. We're going to choose to trust you. In fact, brothers and sisters, our questions are important to the Lord. The scriptures are full of hurting people asking questions. Look at the Psalms, like I mentioned. David wrote many of them where he was broken, and in them he poured out some painful and intimate questions. Sometimes David got answers. Sometimes there was silence. But even when David's questions weren't answered, his faith in God was stronger than his need to know. And just like David, our white questions allow us to go before our Heavenly Father and pour out our our heart 
before him. When we come to our sovereign Lord with questions, they help us to process what we're going through. I do remember, as I mentioned, the prophet Habakkuk, and we go back just for a minute. You don't need to go there, but if you know, this is a wonderful book. And if you haven't read this recently, it's only three chapters. Go home this afternoon and read it. It's an amazing book. But Habakkuk says this in verse 2. He said, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. In other words, God, why are you not disciplining your people? Don't you see what they're doing? Are you asleep? Don't you care? And then I, I, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is verse 5. The Lord said, looked, Lord said to him, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. <laughs> and you know something? He's, there's several things I noticed about this right here. First of all, God didn't nail him. I dare you talk to me that way. He didn't do that. He spoke kindly to him. He says, I'm about to do something in your life. If I were to tell you, you wouldn't even believe me. In fact, I believe that's happening even on the other side. He was talking about Israel and their sin. But I believe he says to us many times, Tom, I know you're going through this. I know that you are struggling but I'm about to do something in and through your life. If I were to tell you, you wouldn't even believe me. That's our God. Because it's all in the context of his reign. All in the context of his sovereignty. Serving and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. And coming to that place like Habakkuk did at the end of chapter 3. Where he said, okay, Father, take it all away. I understand Thank you for allowing me to share this with you, but I understand. I'm just going to embrace you, even though I don't understand why this is happening right now. Well, as we look at uh, the, the prophet, or the, uh, there's still good news in Psalm 73, and the message of the psalmist doesn't end with verse 15. So if you go back in verse 16, he says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Now get this. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Father, I, I didn't understand it, but when I went into the sanctuary, when I went before you, Heavenly Father, then I started to understand what their end was. And then notice what he goes on to say. He said, truly you set me, set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakens, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. And notice now the repentance of the psalmist. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. In other words, here he's saying, Father, I am sorry. 
after he had this discussion with God for these three chapters, in fact, the third chapter, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm thinking of Habakkuk, after he had prayed, he came to this very same place as the psalmist did. He said, nevertheless, I am continually with you. Now he's being, he went from orientation, remember, things were well, I'm focused on God, he's doing a great work in my life, and, and I'm, I'm at peace, to disorientation. But what's happening here? All of a sudden, thing is a mess. Now it's coming back in what I would call reorientation, when he says, nevertheless, I'm continuing continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then in verse 28, he says, but as for me, it was good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge or my shelter that I might tell of all your works. You see, he couldn't understand what was going on. Why are you letting the rich and the wicked seemingly get more rich and more wicked? Why don't you do something about this? God, why? And then as we personalize this, we go through struggles in our lives, maybe even some right now that you might be going through. God, I don't understand why this has happened. Help me, Father. I need to have some peace about this. And, and name the situation. And yet there's a God who is the commander and sustainer of not only our lives, but in charge of all of the universe and keeping it. And he says to us, he says, son, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. No matter where you go, no matter what circumstance you're in, I am with you. And I love it in Jeremiah 29 in verse 13. He says, seek the Lord and his presence. And then he says in that verse, he says, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. And so what God is calling us to do in the good times, but also in the very hard times, because most of us, if we're not in a struggle right now, hang in there because there will come questions, there'll come circumstances where you, the child of the Heavenly Father, will find disorientation. And he's saying, just keep coming to me. Come, ask. As he says in Hebrews, he said, you know, draw nigh to the throne, you know, and seek me when you want mercy and comfort. Come to me because I am here with you. I love you so much. And so what we see here is that in this message that we're talking about today. He's saying, child, I want you to love me. I want you to trust in me. And I may not always be able to explain to you why certain things happen, but I want you to understand. I want you to fully understand that I am with you. 
and I will go with you wherever you go. I love it, of course, in uh, that psalm that was read in 139. It said in verse 17 and 18, he says, My thoughts toward you outnumber all the grains of sand on the seashores. I'm thinking about you all the time. So as we look at, you know, the psalmist here, when he finally came to the place, not only of repentance, but of committing his life again to the Lord. We look at Habakkuk. When he came to the conclusion, God, <laughs> you're way wiser than I am. You are God. And I understand now that I don't have to know everything. The only thing I need to know is that you are with me. And Father, so I, I submit to you. You take it all away. Even in the midst of my sorrow, I'm still going to trust you. That was Habakkuk's final thoughts. And that's really what could be our goal in life as we do that. So I don't know what you might be struggling with today. Maybe you're on a high road right now. But maybe there's something going on. And I would submit to you that the Heavenly Father is very well aware of what you're going through. Because he is the author of life. He is our creator. We are children in his image. And he loves us supremely. He cares about us. And he wants us to be in a place of trust so that we can actually serve him even in the midst of trials and struggles. Our pastor often says, you know, when we talk about it, it's not about my reign, but it's about his reign. And I embrace his reign. I embrace his sovereignty in my life to walk with him, even sometimes in the fog, because that's what he wants me to do. And so, I want to encourage you today. I don't know, like I said, what you may be going through, but I want you to know, ask the questions. Yes, ask the questions, but do that in an atmosphere of faith and asking God to say, help me to understand. And even if you don't tell me right now, Father, I'm still going to embrace you and your sovereignty and your realm. I'm going to do that. That's what he's calling us to do. And so I want in a moment have a word of prayer. And if you're facing something right now, understand that God is very well aware of that. And he has a plan for you that you might be able to, in the midst of even the circumstances, serve him well and glorify his name. That's his plan. And so trust him. Come to him. And lay everything out before him. Even ask the questions. And God will be very well present with you. In fact, he says to us, seek his presence continually. And that's part of the answer to what we're going through. And so, as I look back again at Habakkuk and, and say this one more time, uh, what he said, he said, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines. And see, what you're seeing here is that he's talking about everything that's about the, the, the culture of that day, their livelihoods the produce of the olive field, 
The fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. And could that be our desire as we face 2019? Could that be that wherever we go, we're going to serve you and we're going to embrace that and we're going to trust you even in the midst of questions because thank you, Father, you let us ask the questions. And, and I know as I was in Sunday school class today, uh, uh, Stephanie and Preston are leaving shortly to way across the world. And I got to believe you might have a question or two what that's going to look like, maybe. <laughs> but God said, I'm with you. But there might be some like us, we're just going to be staying right here in St. John's, <laughs> most of us here. Just trust me. That's what he's asking us to do. So we have faith and we have confidence in our sovereign Lord and our loving Lord. And he will restore us all the time, no matter even through the questions, he will be with us and care for us. So let's pray. Can we please? Father, I don't know what is going on in the hearts and minds of our brothers and sisters here. Lord, maybe there's something right now that is deeply troubling them. And Father, I thank you that you're very much aware of the circumstance. And Father, that in a loving way, you're surrounding them and wrapping your arms around them. In fact, it is so wonderful to know that even as we look to next week, when we're concerned about something, Father, you're already there. You're already certainly very much aware of things. And so, Father, could we today, whatever it is in our needs of our life, whether it's just to draw closer to you or to work through a hurt or a pain, a disease or whatever, just trust you and reorient ourselves to the place where we say, no matter what comes, we will trust you. And Father, if there would be someone here today without Jesus Christ, they have no hope. They don't know this loving God who says, I love you and my thoughts towards you outnumber all the grains of sand of the seashores. Lord, would you cause them even now to reach out to you, who is the author of life, we're made in his image, but you're also our keeper, the one who cares for us. So Father, we commit now this time to you, and we give you praise, for it's in your name that we pray, amen.